people have acknowledged for a long time that one of the great blessings of coming to Bear Valley are the, the people that you get to meet. Um, you get to witness in their Christianity and in um, our situation, and I'm including me uh, to learn from. And uh, I've learned so much from Michael because he's constantly in the Word and he'll come up with questions and uh, we'll talk about it. And, and I, I learned something, uh, especially uh, admiring the way that he's embraced uh, the textual book that I've given him uh, to teach, uh, Mark and James and 1st and 2nd Peter. Truth be told, there's a lot of whining. Uh, Amen. Please give me your textual class. Amen. Yeah, but um, has he taken those and soared with, uh, soared with them and uh, just done a, a tremendous job. But uh, as I mentioned when I introduced Michael at the Oakland Chapel, um, what a good friend. He's been um, a, a partner in this work. Uh, he brought a skill set that I didn't have. I freely admitted that I, I didn't have. Um, when you think about being a director of a school, there's a lot of administrative uh, stuff that goes with that. And I had zero uh, experience as an administrator, and I had that much interest in being an administrator <laughs> as well. But Michael had already uh, run a business, been successful in business, and um, so he taught me a lot about the administrative side of things, and um, I really appreciate him for that. And um, What you might not know is that it was Wes and Terry Autry that um, were uh, one of their first contacts, and then Don Cannon, who was a preacher at Bear Valley at the time, studied with Michael and Lynn and uh, taught them the gospel. And Shocker, Mike was a real hard sell uh, to uh, obey the gospel, but once he saw the truth, it stuck and obviously uh, has remained uh, to this day. So anyway, as we continue our series on three pieces of advice or passages that have impacted me, uh, we'll look forward to hearing our brother Mike preach the word. Advice is such a strange thing. Um, First of all, coming up with it, we've those of us on staff have talked about this. Choosing pieces of advice that are valuable have been valuable to us is a challenge. Many of us have received so much advice over the years; it's hard to narrow it down on one or two. Uh, the other problem is that often we don't recognize good advice until after we failed at something, and then we kind of go, "Oh, wait a minute! They told me it was going to be this this way." Uh, so offering advice to you may seem somewhat futile at times, uh, but uh, I hope that what I share with you today is, is valuable. Uh, the first piece of advice that I want to share with you today came from my mom. <clears throat> Moms always uh, encourage and, and always guide us as children. There's no doubt about that. My mom was no different. And my mom used to tell me, you can accomplish great things if you're willing to do the work. And I'll be honest with you, I always hated the second part of that. I always wanted to, to the idea of accomplishing great things. We all want to accomplish great things. Sometimes we want to just have it done by osmosis, though. And the reality is that if you're going to do great things, you're going to have to work to do them. 
And there really aren't any shortcuts in that. I wish there were. I wish you could just put your Bible under your pillow at night and lay your head down and just magically absorb everything that's in this book. It's not going to happen. It applies to every facet of our life that work is necessary. It isn't going to happen on its own. It's interesting that it takes diligence. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul told Timothy the exact same thing. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That word diligent means to be especially conscientious in discharging an obligation, to be zealous and to make every effort. Well, what obligation are we to accomplish and discharge? In 2 Timothy 2.15, I would argue that it is rightly handling the word of truth. That is the obligation that we have. That's what you came here to do, is to rightly handle God's word. And are you being diligent about that work? You know, if someone shows up at your house, if a workman shows up at your house to fix your air conditioner or your refrigerator and they don't know what they're doing, they should be ashamed of themselves, shouldn't they? They, they represent themselves as a workman who can fix those things for you. And yet they show up and they're not prepared for that task. Well, we can do the same thing when we don't prepare ourselves for the ministry that we're, is set before us. Now, I'm not suggesting that we can ever know Scripture fully. Uh, we all can learn more. But can we be proud of the workmen that we are? Can we stand before God and saying we've made every effort to understand His Word, to learn it, to know it, so that we can share it? You know, it's interesting. Over the years, people marvel at the, the knowledge Denny and Dan have of the Greek language. And I'll hear students say, boy, I really wish I could preach out of the Greek text like Dan and, and Denny can. Well, you can. Start now and study for the next 20 years. And, and I don't say that to discourage you. I'm just saying, you know, people want to be able to do that, but they don't recognize the work that went into doing that. If you want to know geography, I almost said geology. <laughs> if you want to know geography like John, guess what? Study it. Spend the time learning it. Dig deep. Invest. If you want to know Roman history the way Dave does, if you want to know everything the Wayne Wayne Berger does, <laughs> you have to commit your life to studying those things. And learning those things. It's going to take work. You're not just going to sit while you watch American Idol and come to know these things. It's going to take an investment. You can do all these things, but you're probably going to have to give up something to get it. And therein lies the rub, doesn't it? We can't do everything. It's going to take an investment in time. It's going to take an investment in effort. It's going to take an investment in your dedication and your willingness to sit in a chair and study. You know, another sub piece of advice, since Wayne gave us like 15 pieces of advice, but he only <laughs> grouped them into one. The, the piece of advice that goes along with this is sometimes the best work you can do is put the seat of your britches in the seat of your desk and stay there and study. I mean, stay in the book, work. It takes time. You know, it's interesting though, we do what we want to do. We are a culture that does what we want to do. 
A man one time, an airline pilot, uh, was heard to say, a man told him, uh, I have always wanted to learn to fly a plane. And the pilot responded, no, you haven't. You've always liked the idea of flying a plane, but you never wanted to learn to fly a plane. I would, I've always, anybody see Groundhog Day? <laughs> I would love to play the piano like he can at the end of Groundhog Day. I was never going to do that because I was never willing to do the scales and do the practice and do the learning it takes to get to the point where I can play the piano that way. You see, we want sometimes the end result, but we got to recognize the work that goes between it. And Denny and I over the years and all the staff over the years have seen this in this school too many times. Men who want to serve God, but they're not really willing to do the work that it takes to learn the book, to represent him well to the world. They kind of want to skate through. And as a result, they get out there and they find themselves they're ill-prepared for the task that they set before themselves and that God set before them. You can accomplish great things. You have to be willing to work to do it. Second piece of advice that I want to share with you came from a former teacher here, Warren Wilcox. Warren, I could, I could give you 25 sermons on advice that Warren gave me over the years. I learned so much from him. But one of the things he said to me that always stuck was, look at what you've written in the margin of your Bible. If all you find there are things to teach others, you have completely missed the point. <laughs> you know, sometimes we come here with the idea that I'm coming here to prepare myself to teach them. Learn first. Apply these things to you first. James chapter 1, verses 21 to 25, you knew it was going to get there. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains in wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. You have to look into that mirror and see your natural face. A sub point of this piece of advice is we often joke that we teach and preach from the overflow. You cannot pour from an empty cup. You have to learn. You have to dig. You have to apply God's word in your life first. I always find it fascinating as I read scripture, especially uh, in the epistles, how often these inspired writers include themselves in their own lessons. We need to do this. Let not many of you become teachers knowing that as such, we will incur a stricter judgment. James includes himself in that. Include yourself in your lessons. I've always joked that in some ways, I have learned something this week from the text, and my sermon is just sharing you what I learned about my life. You just get to listen, right? Um, if it applies to you, it probably applies to other members of the congregation. But don't make your sermons, you need to change this, and you need to do this. You know what? You probably need to, too. And so look to, to do these things yourself. This is not a point to just say, make time for your own personal study. That's important, but more importantly, listen to your own sermon. Are you doing what you expect the congregation to do? Are, are you following through on the things you expect them to follow through on? And if not, why not? You know, the do as I say, not as I do never works. And it certainly won't work in preaching. How can you lead people to a God that you don't know? How can you lead people to be faithful in service when you're not faithful in service? 
You need to look to scripture to teach you first and them second. And I will challenge you and tell you that if you're willing to do that, your sermons will have power. People will see in you a passion and a desire to follow God, and they'll want to too. Look at what you write in the margins of your Bible. Write to teach yourself first, others second. The third piece of advice I want to share with you this morning was from a man who did mission work in Africa. His name was Cy Stafford. He passed away a few years ago. But Cy's favorite piece of advice was keep the main thing the main thing. It is so easy for us to get distracted, isn't it? It's so easy for us to, to have a purpose, to have a goal, and be distracted on our way to getting it there. While you're here at school, I want to remind you of some of the things that, that you have said, but I want you to be, be mindful of why did your supporters send you money to be here? Did they send you money here to play ga video games? Are they sending you money each week to stay home from worship and Bible class? Are they sending you money to spend time watching YouTube? I don't think they are. You didn't ask them for money for those things, did you? I, I, I mean, I, I, maybe some of you did, but I doubt that your support letter was, you know, I really want to spend all, you know, hours and hours in the evening watching YouTube on my phone. Would you send money to support me while I do that? No, as a matter of fact, I went through applications and I looked at what some of you wrote down specifically on your application about why you wanted to come here and why you wanted to do this. Now, if this is you, you may recognize what you said. Some of you may not even recognize what you said. And I would, I would challenge you to go back to your application, ask Terry to see it and be mindful of, of what you said when you came. One application said, I want to be trained to be an effective tool in God's hands. What a great goal. How does that fit when you also say to instructor, I don't see the point of the assignment that you just gave us. I just, I think it was busy work. I just didn't want to do it. Well, does that really fit with the goal of I want to be trained to be an effective tool in God's hands? Do you only want to be trained the way you want to be trained? Or do you recognize that this staff has experience and knowledge that you need? <coughs> Sometimes they're going to give you assignments that you don't necessarily understand, but we recognize the value of those assignments long-term. One application wrote, God's word is the highest priority in my life, and I need to learn it better. Great thought, isn't it? Should be the highest priority in all of our lives. But how often have we as instructors heard, I need more time to get my assignments done. I just haven't managed my time very well. I was busy with other things. Wait, I thought you said that God's word and learning it was your highest priority. What other priorities get, are getting in your way? Sometimes they're good things. Sometimes they're not so good things. Another application said, my number one priority is to train myself to bring souls to Christ. And how often have we heard, you know, I'm sorry, I was out of town during research week visiting friends and family. Sorry I didn't get that work done or I didn't read that book that you required in class. I just didn't have time this quarter. Really, was your number one priority to train yourself to bring souls to Christ? Or are other things impinging on that goal? Finally, another one said, I want to have as much Bible knowledge as I can possibly get before I enter my career in ministry. 
how does that jive with, I know my paper was only four pages and the assignment was to do eight, but you know, I just did what I could do. Now, I'm not saying these things to say that all you should do from the time you get up until the time you go to sleep is study and work on your assignments. But what did you purpose in your heart to do while you were here? And are you doing it? And I'll be honest with you, some of the distractions are really good things. Uh, you know, it, it's wonderful to have Devo nights with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's fun to have game nights. It, it's fun to, to just get together and spend time with one another. But when that becomes a distraction from the goal of why you're here, it can be devastating to your studies. It's very interesting that I just got a text two days ago from a former student who regrets the way they spent their time while they were at Bear Valley. He just said to me, I did not prepare myself the way I should have. I was lazy in class. I didn't do the work. And now I'm supposed to lead these people, and I'm not prepared for the task. Brothers and sisters, you're here to prepare. Prepare, right? Dig in. Be willing to do the work. You know, it's interesting that in Mark chapter 4, verse 19, in the parable of the soils and in, in the explanation of that, Jesus said that the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things can choke out the word and make it unfruitful. Well, I would suggest that that can happen to you here as well, that the worries of the world, the money issues and those things that challenge you can choke out the word, world. The deceitfulness of riches, maybe just thinking about, you know, I could make a whole lot more money if I did another career. But really just the desire for other things, the desire to spend time with each other instead of studying, the desire to, to have a devotional instead of study, the time to do other things and to be engaged in other activities that can be a distraction from your work here can be devastating to your learning. And they can be detrimental to your future ministry. You made the commitment to dedicate yourself for 22 months to studying God's word. I will tell you, there are people in the world that would kill to be in the chair that you're in. And they don't have that opportunity. And you won't get it again. <laughs> you won't ever probably in your life have the opportunity to spend two years just immersing yourself in God's word, digging deep, listening to his voice, Sitting at the feet of men who have studied this book their whole life, take advantage of it while you're here. Because once you get out there, the time that you have for study is going to be minimized. You're going to have a lot more to do. Recognize that these desire for other things can choke the word out and make it unfruitful in your ministry if you're not careful, even while you're here. Finally, my last piece of advice be willing to walk through the doors the Lord opens for you. And this is my advice to you. I, I, Denny alluded to my story uh, the other day, and I know we're running out of time. I'm not going to give you all the details of that. But I came to Denny Petrillo one day. I was running my advertising agency. I, was, I had a, a marketing company uh, with some partners, and I came to Denny to ask about taking a class. I thought I could get away from the office for six hours a week and just sit in the classroom and take it. I wanted to learn from uh, men like Warren Wilcox and Dave and, and Denny and others 
And so what class should I take? And Denny's response was, well, what you should do is just quit your job and come to school. <laughs> just like, <laughs> that was my reaction as well. I laughed. I, that's a joke. Okay, I, Denny, I'm just here for one class. Don't, you know, whatever. He said, no, you really should. Would you consider it if, if we could work it out? I was like, there's no way for us to work that out. I, I you know, I, I, I don't know enough people to raise the support. I, I was converted here at Bear Valley. And he said, well, if we could figure it out, would you consider it? I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> he said, well, we need to talk to J.J. Turner. J.J. was the president of the school at the time. See what we can do. You willing to do that? I was like, yeah, whatever. So two days later, we met with J.J. And I'm thinking the whole time J.J.'s going to laugh and say, this is dumb. We go into JJ's office. Danny says, Where, "What do you think about Mike coming to school?" Great, we got to make that happen. It's kind of like what? <laughs> and, and I was like, "There's no way I can, you know, the money and everything." And JJ said, and Denny said, "Well, why don't you come as a student and work on staff? I mean, you can do the marketing stuff for the school, and we can pay you some, and you can raise the support for others and." Uh, we, you know, we can work out the money. If we could work out the money, would you be willing to do this? And I was like, sure. <laughs> Knowing full well that, that God is going to slam that door tight and nail it shut. <laughs> JJ said, well, you know, if we're going to really do this, we need to get the elders involved. Um, would you be willing to meet with the elders? It was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Two days later, we're sitting with the elders. And JJ says, what do you think about us hiring Mike and paying? And the elders said, we got to make that happen. Long story short, 30 days after I walked into Denny's office to take one class, I walked through the doors here to be a full-time student and staff member at the Bear Valley Bible Institute. That was 20 years ago. That was not on my radar. The funniest thing was, after the elders meeting, I had to go home and tell my wife, because I had never even brought it up to her. <laughs> Because I was so certain that God was going to close those doors that I never even brought it up to her. There was no point. And luckily, when I brought it up to her, she said, we got to make that happen. And we're here. And we love being here. You know, it wasn't long after that that Wayne Berger came up to me and said, want to go to Africa? I was like, what? <laughs> Africa? You mean that continent way across the world? Yeah. Yeah, why don't you come? You can preach, and we'll do mission work. And I went and was so blessed by that trip and changed my life. And I've been a number of times, other places I've taken some people with me as well. The reality is God's going to open doors for you. Amen. You got to be willing to step through them. You know, last year and, and previous years, I've heard students over and over again, they get offered jobs and it's like that place is too cold or that place is too hot. That town is too small. That town is too big. I doubt that Abraham had planned to leave Ur when God said leave. Did he, do you think he said, no, wait, God, you're going to send me to a, a, a big place or a little place, a hot place or a cold place? No, he just went, didn't he? Because he knew God would be with him. I doubt Moses planned to return to Egypt, murderer, wanted man. He's, he's hiding, you know, in the flocks of the mountains with Jethro. And God says, I want you to go back. I don't think that was high on his list. I don't think that fit his plans. And yet God led him. 
I doubt that Paul anticipated the shipwrecks and the beatings and the attacks from his own countrymen. I doubt that Titus had Crete high on his list when you see the description of Crete as uh, full of liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. There's where the work that we all want, right? But the reality is all of these men knew God would be with them and would lead them through. Don't just be willing to serve God on your terms. Serve on his terms. Let him open the doors and be willing to walk through them. And I will tell you that the adventure that awaits you is beyond your imagination as you sit in this classroom. He will take you to places in this world you have never dreamed of being, including a hut in Africa where my head was in the beams. It was so little. And I remember clearly on that first trip with Wayne Berger, I was standing there preaching with a Bible in my hand in a hut in Africa. And I had this moment of, how on earth did I get here? I just asked Denny if I could take a class. And God has allowed me the blessing of going all over the place and serving him. I'm grateful for the confidence and the work ethic that my mom's advice provided. I'm grateful that what's written in the margins of my Bible benefits others, not just me. I'm grateful that Cy Stafford reminded me to always keep the main thing the main thing. I'm grateful for the doors that God has opened and the encouragement of men like Denny and Wayne to step through doors that I would never have even seen, let alone stepped through before. Brothers and sisters, you're in the same spot. Amen. Look to serve him. Commit yourself to the work, and he'll bless you and walk with you every step of the way. Thanks for your time. Amen. Thank you, Michael, very much. Appreciate standing for